wasn't the sweetest sounding thing, but there's something about what grandma was saying that moved your feet and stirred something up inside. Good morning. Oh, I got one. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm so glad to see your smiling faces. People look awake this morning. Did you have some good breakfast and coffee? Yes? Awesome. Well, let's stand together, and we're going to start our morning off praising Jesus. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good to me, too. All right, well, let's praise him. Hold your heart, stirs your soul, what matters comes to mind. Praise the Lord. Everything, 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 ever
still comes in the morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the that fills this place. We thank you for bringing each and every one here today. We pray, Father, that they will know you and know the love that you have for them. We just pray that you'll draw us close to you. We just pray, Father, for anything, Lord, that is on our mind right now that might hinder our praise to you. Father, we just pray that you'll help us to see you, help us to focus on you and your word today. And, Father, we do praise your holy and wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. Take just a few minutes and greet those around you. It is good to be together, isn't it? You can go ahead and take your seat. And as you do that, in the pamphlet that you received today, um, there's a little green card here. If you'll just pull that out. If you are here for the very first time, I would love for you to fill that out because I would love to be in touch with you this week. So you could go ahead and, and fill that card out, and in just a few minutes, um, when the uh, ushers come and they uh, with the offering plates, you can put that, fill that card there in the offering plate, and I thank you so much for doing that. And I want to welcome each and every one of you here today. Um, yesterday, we had an exciting day. We went to Castle Rock, and we enjoyed our um, NDI convention. There's some pictures there, I think, that we're going to show. There's the group that went. And uh, NDI stands for Nazarene Discipleship International. 
We had a wonderful day of training, a wonderful day of worship, and just thank you to each one who attended NDI convention yesterday. Also, I want to point out that in the foyer, I don't know if you have noticed, there's a wagon out there. There's a wagon there that is for our canned goods or for rice or pasta or anything that we want to buy when we go to the grocery store. It goes for, to our food bank, which is just right down the road from here. And we want to uh, be sure that they have enough food to uh, help those that are in need. So if you uh, go to the store this week, maybe grab a few extra cans and put that in the wagon next week. And thank you so much for doing that. Also, I hear that it is springtime here in Colorado. Is that true? But I also heard there's a chance of snow this week, so I don't know. I am just so confused. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and do a spring cleanup this week. Um, so hopefully spring is really coming. This Saturday, spring cleanup. Details are there in that handout. And I also want to let you know that um, there is no youth group this evening. So again, thank you so much, each and every one of you, for being here today. It is good to be here today, amen? In the Church of the Nazarene, we have a group of leaders we call the Church Board. And we elect those leaders each year, and you've elected a new Church Board for this church year that began a couple of Sundays ago. We're a couple weeks into a new church year, May 1 around April 30 of 2023. And I'm going to have uh, the board members that are here this morning to come and stand facing me. How do you like that? Facing me here at the front of the sanctuary. And let's applaud them as they come and thank them for being willing to serve and lead. You can stand right there just for now. We've got a couple board members uh, missing, one sick. That's Cliff Miller at home, probably watching online. Hey, Cliff. And uh, Cyril Smith is in Alaska today. So you have seven board members. And in just a moment, we're going to have them kneel here at our altars, and we're going to pray over them. They have quite a task. From the manual of the Church of the Nazarene, I just want to read one paragraph from an installation service. It says, yours is no light task for the ongoing life and ministry and mission of the church, and ultimately the destiny of souls is in your hands. The development of Christian character is your responsibility, and leading the unsaved to Jesus Christ is your highest objective. You'll deal with some bucks and some bricks issues and policy and procedure. Sometimes our board meetings will be flat-out boring. But ultimately, everything that we do around here has that objective in mind. We want people to know the God that loves them. And every brick and every buck and every program and every ministry and every meeting is ultimately about that. You're charged with leading the way. May God grant you wisdom and strength as you do his work for his glory. And that's what we want to pray over you for today, that God would give you everything that you need to lead and lead well. Amen? I'm going to have you just come over, if you're able, kneel here around the altar. I'd like uh, Kelly, uh, other pastors that are a part of this congregation, really anyone that would want to come, our staff, and let's gather around them, and let's pray for them, and then uh, from there, pray for each other this morning. We 
come to a God that hears us, that answers prayer, that loves us, that wants to give us good things. Amen? We're grateful for that. Praise be to the Lord. Father in heaven, we hallow your name today. We're so grateful for the gift of life, for the mercy that you've extended to us that's allowed us to, to see this day. We thank you, Father, for eyes that see and ears that hear and for sound minds and bodies. And God, we just are grateful for all of that. This morning we come to you uh, with our needs. We come to you with our request, knowing that you're a Father that wants to give us good things. And God, we uh, pray first of all for these good board members. We pray, uh, Father, that you would give them every bit of wisdom, every ounce of grace that they need to lead well. God, uh, many of them have day jobs, they have families, they have homes to care for, they have things to do and places to go, yet they have committed to investing time in this coming year, a big year for us, a special year, uh, Lord, to help lead your church. And we just commit them into your care. We pray for your blessing, the anointing of your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray that you'd give them all the strength and all the time that they need to accomplish the things that you have for them to accomplish these days, God. We uh, commit them to you and thank you for them in Jesus' name. God, this morning we want to pray for this world of ours. We continue to pray for our brothers and sisters, the people of Ukraine, the surrounding countries that are bringing aid to them. We pray for wisdom uh, on the part of leadership in ministries and governments that are coming to bear on that hurting area of the world. And Father, as we pray for them, we know there are other parts of the world that are as hurting as they are. God, we just pray that uh, you'd have mercy, Father, uh, all around this world, that wherever your church is, that you would uh, strengthen them and and give them eyes to see the opportunities they have to relieve uh, uh, suffering and to meet needs, God, in Jesus' name. We pray for uh, Golden Bell Camp right up the road, uh, Father, for Joel Garcia, for uh, their staff. And, and Father, this week in that, that trial, we pray that uh, right would prevail, that justice would be done, that good would come out of that difficult situation. We commit them into your care. Father, we pray for the little corner of your world that we live in, uh, for our families, for our kids and grandkids. We pray for those in uh, our own fellowship and in this community that have been harm, in harm's way with fires uh, across this area in these last few days. We pray for protection. God, we pray for those that are sick among us. We pray for those that are struggling. No doubt people come to mind all across this uh, this space here this morning. We lift those people we love and live next door to and are friends with to you. Father, with our larger church, we pray these days for protection from the schemes of the enemy of our souls who would distract us and divide us and discourage us. We pray, Father, for direction. We want to walk in your paths. We want to be in the center of your will. Show us where we need to go and what we need to do and who we need to be. We pray for fresh revelation, God, from your word. Speak to us, making a light unto our path. And God, for the remainder of this service, we're just so grateful to be here together. Bless and guide and lead and anoint. And, and I pray that you'd meet each one at the point of their need. Thank you for knowing each of us. 
knowing what's going on inside of us and around us. And thank you again for your unfailing, undying love. God, we give you thanks. We bring these requests to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hug on these church board members as they try to get up from the altar. I don't know about anybody else, I can still get down, but boy, it's a lot harder to get up these days than it used to be. Turn things back over to Pastor Kelly. Before our ushers come to wait on us for morning tithes and offerings, Lisa and I have scripture for you, God's word, uh, beginning in Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if, as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And Jesus prays for all the believers in John 17, beginning with verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our ushers are going to wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings, and I thank you in advance for your giving. We are excited this morning to continue to praise and worship Jesus, but I wanted to share some good news with you guys. So you guys know Amanda Disman. The Dismans moved to Alaska uh, just last summer, and Amanda was diagnosed with breast cancer a few months ago. And um, we have been praying for her. We've been praying on Wednesday nights, and the worship team, I have some prayer warriors up here, you guys, and we pray for her. So Thursday night, we checked in with Amanda to see how she's doing and found out that the tumor is no longer detectable at all. It is gone. Praise God, right? And so we sent Amanda this picture. Kylie, you want to put that up for me? We sent this picture to her, thumbs up, and we started praising with her. So we were really excited. So we wanted to share that with you guys that we have so much to believe for. God is moving and working. He's doing miracles. And he will continue to do that. So 
Will you guys stand with us? We're going to continue our worship this morning and believing him for miracles this morning. So we haven't done this song for a while, but we'll catch up, okay? You just soak him up, and we'll just continue to sing. Oh, right. 
Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for choosing us as your children. Thank you, Lord, that we can believe you for all things. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we know that you are in control. And, Lord, I pray that as we continue this morning with learning more about you, draw us in closer. Holy Spirit, come in more. We want you here. Line our hearts up with your will and your heart, God. We need you and we want you. And, Lord Jesus, even if we can't lift our heads this morning because we're weary and we're tired and we're fearful, Lord Jesus, comfort us. I pray that you will come in and say, it's going to be okay, I'm in control. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the way that you love us. And now, Lord, I ask you to anoint Pastor Ben as he gets ready to come and bring your word. Father, we love you and we love your word. Thank you for leaving it behind for us so we have something to cling to. Lord Jesus, we love you and we ask you all these things. And God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Lori, before you go down, I have a favor. Would you go back there and get my remote? Thank you. I'll owe you. <laughs> We've heard a lot of good truth already. Uh, years ago, I became aware that the uh, we don't just hear the word when the pastor gets up to preach. We, we celebrate the word in a lot of forms all throughout the service today. Amen? Thank you. That... Uh, Waymaker song, I think, has been something of a theme song, at least for me, and maybe for many churches through these last couple of years, these challenging years, and I love, love that song, uh, that phrase, that description of God in that song today. Is my clicker working back there? I've been here two months, I don't think I've learned to use this yet, but there's still hope. I got seven more months. Promise keeper, that description of God in that... Uh, in that, yeah, in that song really uh, stands out for me. Remember this slide and this quote from Max Lucado? We lifted it up, I think, the first five or six weeks we were here. Uh, I've kind of left it beside, uh, uh, to the side now, but there it is again. I love uh, that quote from Max Lucado, and every time I take a walk in the neighborhood, every time you drive around, you can look around at these beautiful pine tree-clad Rocky Mountains and remember that quote. Um, Here's the promise I'm uh, thinking about right now on this particular Sunday. God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Quoted in the last chapter of Hebrews from an Old Testament passage, I think. Here's uh, another slide. This is good news. A different backdrop. What do you notice? No snow. And I'm going to be praying against that snow in the forecast this Friday, I can tell you that right now. Anyway, that's good. I am thinking maybe spring is finally here. For us uh, Easterners and Flatlanders, it's been a long time coming. But uh, anyway, I'm hoping it's still here. Uh, man, oh man. Okay, I'm about ready to give up on that. Go ahead and advance that slide, Kylie. Back on March 20, I preached uh, from Ephesians chapter 4. And said I'd be coming back to it, so I'm coming back to it today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I've got seven folks that are going to come up and help me with a scripture reading. So come on up. 
This is a long passage, and I'm going to come back to it two or three times. This is uh, part one in a little mini-series. Kaylee, if you could be number one right here, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right across here. Uh, they're going to bring the word for us before I preach. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, Jim's right there. There you go. So let's hear the uh, word of the Lord together from Ephesians chapter four. Mike's on your chins. Ephesians four, one through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live in a life worthy of the change calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until uh, we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God, of the Son of God, and became mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and thrown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemings. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Thank you. Excellent. Did you notice the variety in that group of seven? Some younger, some older, some men, some women. Even had a pastor in that group. We had a pickleball player in that group, a soccer player in that group. Um, it's a beautiful thing, the variety, the diversity in the body of Christ. Amen. Four of my uh, seven messages since coming to Woodland Life Church have been on this matter of calling. God has called us. We can say yes or no, but he calls. He calls us, first of all, to himself. He wants to have a relationship with us. He loves us. He thinks we're awesome. He calls us together to do what we're doing here today. Calls us together to share meals and share life and share ministry and together to make a difference in the world. And he calls us to go. 
It doesn't end here. The sending today will be the beginning of our service in a very real sense. Uh, for the next couple, three times that I preach, I'll be focused on that second calling, our calling together. But for a couple of uh, our new friends that are here today, I want you to know that it doesn't end here. We'll spend some time here talking family, uh, but we really have a mission uh, in this world. We want to make a difference in this world. We want to spill out of this place and get beyond the circle of our fellowship and meet needs in Jesus' name in a world where there are a lot of needs to meet. Amen. But we'll be uh, focused on that calling together for a couple of messages here. The Apostle Paul in this passage urges, in fact, the Greek word would uh, lend to uh, translating that begs the church individually in our own personal lives and collectively in what we organize in ministry to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. To live a life worthy of the calling we have received from God himself. Our individual lives in every facet should be lived in a manner that reflects the high calling we've received as followers of Jesus from God himself. It's not all about how many yards we rush this season or how much we're going to get back from filing our tax returns. <laughs> There's something bigger going on, and it's okay to get excited about what you're getting back and to try your best to rush a lot of yards, but there's something bigger going on. We're a part of a bigger story, amen? And collectively in our life together as this church, the life and ministry of this church, our church, should reflect that high calling of God. And I'd suggest that in these next few months when we're going to be planning forward and uh, making some decisions and determining how we'll use this facility and what we'll do in our community. We need to make those decisions in light of the calling that we have from God and make sure those decisions and what we're about is worthy of that calling. Note that the urging comes from someone who was a prisoner for the Lord. It's a good thing to remember that Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church from a prison cell. Think rock hard floor, bucket in the corner, you know what that's for. The sound of rats scurrying across the floor at night. Paul's commitment to God's call in his life cost him some prison time, a few floggings, a stony, sleepless nights, and in the end, it cost him his life. That prisoner of the Lord, the Apostle Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And whether that plays out uh, in here in the fellowship of our church or out there in our community, in our world, he says that life includes being completely humble. Quick time out, what I'm talking about here this morning and what Paul's talking about, he's intending to be applicable to the church. He's speaking to the church, but this is really all that I'm about to say would apply to your marriage, to your family, to your circle of friends, to wherever you are where there are other people. And he says, for starters, this worthy life includes being completely humble. Do you wonder why the apostle thought it necessary to qualify the word humble there with the word completely? He doesn't do that for any other word in this passage, but here he does. I think it's because just about the time you think you have that pride beat, you don't. 
I personally am very proud of how humble I am. That's the ongoing joke in staff meetings around here these days. On the subject uh, of humility and all, I like to pause and think a bit about the difference between the pride that we need to beat and a healthy healthy self-worth. What's the difference? And God certainly wants us to feel good about ourselves. I really believe that. For starters, a humble person recognizes where their worth comes from, ultimately God. A prideful person thinks it's all them. Thought about Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18, uh, God's message to his people before their entrance into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, cities already prepared for him. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. That's good. Humility. A humble person is willing to admit when they fall short and face up to that. Pride will hide, deny, defend, explain it away, not care. I think I'm still waiting for a uh, public figure, a politician who has done something wrong to actually come out and, uh, and fess up and own up, and actually say something a little stronger than, ah, I might have made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Second Chronicles 7.14 comes to mind. If my people, and that's who we're talking about today, not public figures or whatever, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin. And heal their land. Humble folks recognize their need for God and so pray and seek God's face and are willing to turn from anything that falls short of his good and pleasing and perfect will. Uh, They're not out for glory or credit or kudos. You ever talk to someone who is in a conversation always trying to one-up you? Humble people listen and are genuinely interested in others. They're willing to serve and do just about anything. Nothing is beneath them. Some of you might recognize the name Dwight L. Moody, arguably the most well-known evangelist in the world in the late 1800s. People came from all around the world to attend his Bible conferences in Massachusetts The story goes that one year, a large group of pastors from Europe were among his attendees. They were given rooms in the dormitory at his Bible college. In Europe, in those days, there was the custom that men put their shoes outside the door of their room to be cleaned and polished by servants during the night. Sound like a good deal. That was not the custom in the U.S., and there were no servants in that American dorm. 
But as Moody was walking through the halls and praying for his guest, he saw the shoes and realized what was happening. He mentioned the problem to a few of his students, but none of them offered to help. With another word, without another word, the great evangelist carried, gathered up the shoes and took them back to his own room where he began to clean and polish each pair. Moody had not told anyone what he had done, but a friend who came to his room helped him finish the task and later told the story of what had happened. Despite the praise and fame he received, Moody remained a humble man and willing to serve in any way needed. Now, St. Augustine said what you've been looking at for a bit. It was pride that changed angels into devils. It's humility that makes men like angels. I believe that's true. Be completely humble, Paul says, and gentle. Kylie, you can go ahead and forward that. Maybe I'll try my remote here again in a second, see if I'm any better. And just a blank slide up there for now. Be completely humble and gentle. Humble and gentle seem to go together for uh, Paul. Makes sense, right? Be gentle in what you say and how you say it and how you treat people and how you deal with situations. Talking about a life worthy of the calling that we have. Talking about our life together in his church. You know, we have a chocolate lab, Millie, who's up there waiting for us to come home. Uh, I'll often hear Kelly say when she's about to give Millie a treat, gentle, gentle. If anybody's ever had a lab, boy, those folks live for food. And if she's not gentle, and Kelly doesn't say that a half a dozen times before she gives her that treat, uh, Millie could take her hand off. I've talked to a few people who could bite my head off. <laughs> In a conversation. Paul says, be gentle. Be gentle. You ever get a package that says, handle with care? Ever get a package that's just crunched? What, did that FedEx truck roll over on the way here or what? Be gentle. Don't, uh, don't be a package crusher. Handle people with care. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. If we did a family feud style question, is family feud still on TV? If we did a family feud style question like, name something you pray for the most. I'm guessing patience would be right up there in the top five. A few years ago, I was praying for patience. I think it was for my church board back home. Board members, you all paying attention right now? I think. And I had this aha moment because as I was praying for patience, and I did need to have more. People certainly have patience with me. I can be a frustrating person to be around. That's when Kelly usually says, Amen. Amen. I was praying for patience, and 1 Corinthians 13, 4 came to mind. Paul begins to describe love, and what's his very first definition? Love is patient. And God seemed to say to me in that moment, you don't need to pray for more patience. You need to pray for more love. 
Indeed, Paul says in this passage, be patient, bearing with one another in love. We're told to be patient and hang in there with each other. And in our current culture, and I think it's true in our church culture, we often bail on relationships so quickly. And we avoid the kind of honest conversations that may help us. (laughs) Or we text or post or mail our thoughts. That's the easy way. Instead of picking up the phone or arranging a time, to meet up. Friends, it's a lot easier to be patient and to love each other when we know each other, when we understand each other, when we hear each other's stories, when we listen twice as much as we talk. Where's Chris? He's in here somewhere. Reminded me in the park on Friday night. Yes, we've got, how many ears, Chris? Two ears and one mouth. We should be listening twice as much as we speak. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, Kylie, give me that next slide. From Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that Protestant uh, pastor in Nazi Germany who was hung for his uh, part in a plot to take Hitler out, spent the last year of his life alone in a concentration camp. I believe he wrote or at least finished his classic life together describing Christian fellowship during that time. He says, there's a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. It is an impatient, inattentive listening that despises the brother or sister and is only waiting for a chance to speak and thus get rid of the other person. Christians have forgotten that the ministry of listening has been committed to them by him who is himself the great listener and whose work they should share. We should listen with the ears of God that we may speak the word of God when that opportunity comes. That's good. Give me that next slide, uh, Kylie, please. I saw this in a Facebook the other day. Biggest communication problem is we do not listen to understand. We listen to reply. And to that I say, ouch. We're talking about living a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And then in verse 3, we come to this matter of unity. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We had a number of conversations with your previous church board and staff and district leadership and some others before we ever arrived in Woodland Life Church. And we asked, what could we be praying about? What's your desire for your church? And almost invariably, every answer we got was unity. We're praying for unity. We need unity. Unity is crucial in the life and ministry and mission of his church. Unity is among the things Jesus prayed for the most on that last evening before the cross. We heard Kelly read from that prayer. Can you give me that next slide? From John 17, let's hear it again. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that was us. Jesus prayed for us 2,000 years ago that all of them may be one Father. Give me that next slide. Unity is so significant to our witness in the world. Listen again to the words of Jesus, the prayer of Jesus. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. It's crucial. What kind of witness is it if we're divided and fighting, especially about things that really don't matter so much? We're walking out on each other at the drop of a hat. Thought about that picture back on the title slide. I love that picture, those uh, four hikers arm in arm, and that's how I want the church to be. But imagine if we're on the trail and one of them's shoving the other off or one of them's lagging behind and I'm just leaving you and going on. What kind of witness is that to the world? That's what I want our church to be. You've got a good bit of that going on around here. Thanks be to God for that. Thought about our neighbor we had back home. We have an old renovated farmhouse and the uh, farm sold years ago and some big homes in that neighborhood, two to five acre lots and we can sit on our porch, and it's just like being out in the country most of the time, except for the one neighbor that's fairly close, and we call them the loud family. And if the wife isn't hollering at her husband, the husband's hollering at her wife, or both of them are hollering at their two boys, or all four of them are hollering at their two German shepherds, they're just always hollering, always fighting, always bickering. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go over to that house. I don't want to be a part of that family. Unity. Unity is evidence of our love. Proof that we're working through our disagreements and hurts. And we're going to have disagreements at times, right? I mean, unless, are you from a family or do you have a marriage or a circle of friends where you never disagree? Have you never been hurt or, or hurt someone? That's inevitable. But unity is the evidence that we're Being patient, that we're being humble, that we're being gentle, that we're loving each other, that we're hanging in there with each other. Proof that we're laying aside our own agendas. Unity is necessary if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to be and to do. It's been years and years and years since uh, I was a part of a tug-of-war. You ever been a part of a tug-of-war? I think it was back in college. I think we were tugging across a creek on campus there in the university I went to in Ohio, and I got to thinking about that. You, you really have to be together to win tug of war. If you're still arguing about whether you ought to put the big guy up front or in the back when the whistle blows, you're going to get beat. You're going to be in that creek. You're going to be in that uh, bit of mud between the two teams, right? If we're going to When in this spiritual war, in this spiritual struggle we're in in this world, we're going to have to be one in this church. The Apostle Paul says in this passage, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort. It sounds like uh, all of us need to do something. In fact, all we can, so important, is unity. There sounds like uh, intentionality there. We need to make every effort, beginning with being humble completely, being gentle, being patient, 
to keep that unity. I've known a few people over the years who seemed confused about what Paul was saying in that passage and thought he had said make every effort to stir up trouble. Must be a different translation, probably their own. But you know, I've known even more people that just don't do much of anything, make much of any effort to preserve unity, that avoid those conversations that may help them understand, that avoid those more intimate relationships that, yeah, can be messy at times, but that is the glue that keeps us together, or that tell the pastor, hey, you really need to talk to so-and-so. I was thinking back to our 35-plus years in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, and now that I've included this in the message, I'm realizing I have one of my former members in the service today. He can verify what I'm about to say. I got to thinking about our 35-plus years back in Gaithersburg, Church of the Nazarene, and they were 35 great years, and we really did experience a unity that was remarkable given the diversity of our congregation. 33 different nations of origin. We had people from the West Coast, the East Coast, the Midwest, the South. We had Democrats and Republicans, progressives and conservatives, uh, all different ages, all different perspectives, lots of different church backgrounds. But somehow uh, we preserved unity. But we did have a few uh, significant disagreements, three that I could remember. The very first one was pews or chairs. I was a young pastor. I lost that one. Doggone it. If I had that to do over again, I'd fight that one a little bit. But we got through that. Second one was a cell tower that we were considering on our property. You would have thought we were putting in an adult bookstore in the parking lot. I mean, things just came loose at the seams. We had people showing up at, at board meetings with protest signs. Almost that bad, but not quite. We got through that. And then in June of 2020, after the George Floyd killing, uh, after having dealt with those kinds of moral social issues for a few years, and I really believe you have to do that, uh, we were facing off with the issue of uh, racism again, and that was tough. That got so politicized, maybe still is, uh, so much emotion and personal experience coming into bear. Uh, that was tough. Would have been easier to just avoid it. But you can't. You got to face it. In the midst of those difficult conversations, as we did our very best to address those pressing issues, Ephesians 4.3 became a theme verse. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In the midst of all that, I recognized something that I hadn't seen before. Paul doesn't say make every effort toward unity or every effort to create unity, he says make every effort to keep the unity, to preserve the unity of the Spirit. 
we're asked to preserve a unity that already exists. That we begin to participate in when we're born of the Spirit. When we're born again. When we come to a saving faith in Christ. When we're reconciled to God through Jesus. When we come into His family. There is a oneness in Christ. Can you catch up to that uh, next slide, Kylie? Let's read this together again. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's a unity intimately tied into the unity of the Father, God Himself, and Son. Intimately tied into the unity of the Trinity. That next slide, please, Kylie. Back to Jesus' prayer. He prayed that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. That is profound. I and them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now, here's what unity is not. It's not uniformity. We all have... Uh, different perspectives and life experiences and gifts and skills and abilities and personalities, and it's beautiful. Just the seven up here, each of them would have a unique contribution to the life and ministry of this church and in this world. Unity is not uniformity. It's not uh, uh, walking in lockstep with the pastor and whatever he wants. It's all of us contributing to this beautiful, unified effort in life in his church. Unity is something deeper that holds a diverse bunch of people together within the body of Christ. We still have a part to play. We still have work to do. We still have conversations to have. We still have forgiveness. But when the Spirit came on Pentecost, think about this. Jesus' prayer that Thursday night, John 17, was answered. Think about it. I'm going to come back to this in a few weeks on Pentecost Sunday. When devout Jews from all different countries heard the wonders of God in their own language, the unifying power of the Spirit began. Here's what I'd suggest to you. If we want unity, we'll need to work at that, need to have those conversations, need to put up with each other, need to be gentle, humble, and all that. But if we want unity, then let's each be filled with the Spirit. Let's offer ourselves to God, allowing the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of love in us. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's worship the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Let's love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Let's put our hope in Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's set our minds on Jesus. This is all Scripture. Let's allow the mission of the gospel to determine our decisions. Jesus at the center of our lives. Jesus at the center of our church. When I look at Larry, or I look at Doug, or I look at Mary, or I look at Danny, or I look at Lynn, I shouldn't just see those folks. I should see Jesus. I should recognize that what Jesus did for Lynn, he's done for me. That Jesus died for me, and he died for Mary. Jesus is the one thing that binds us all together. 
Unity is not only, not even primarily something we make or even work for, but like everything in the Christian faith, it's first of all a reality we experience and live out of. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again, you have that quote for me, Kylie? She and I are making a good team today. What determines our brotherhood, our sisterhood, is what that man is, that woman is by reason of Christ. Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. That next quote, Kylie, please. Christian brotherhood, sisterhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. And you can read the rest of that. You're living the scripture out this morning because you're being patient with me. This is a little long. A couple, three more things. Back in that old renovated farmhouse we live in in uh, Maryland, in the kitchen, there's a, a chimney stack right in the middle of the wall of the kitchen. It was all plaster covered when we bought the house. It was a fixer-upper for sure, and we knocked all the plaster off of that and cleaned up the brick, and it's a nice little addition to the kitchen there. And if you know about bricks, you know that there's something in between the bricks that keep it together, mortar. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, uh, I remember Hurricane Katrina coming through the Gulf Coast back in the early part of this century, and we took some teams down there. Once in a while, you'd see a house that was just completely leveled, maybe after a tornado sweeps through uh, Kansas somewhere. And what would be the one thing often that would be standing? It would be the chimney stack. And what is it that keeps those bricks together so that the chimney stack can stand? It's the mortar. What is the mortar for us, it's Jesus. It's His Holy Spirit that, that allows Christ to live within us. You got that little video clip, Kylie, that we could run? This is going to make me homesick, but thought I'd do it. In our sanctuary back home, we have a center aisle, four sections of pews, a center aisle, and that's not a political aisle. It's not anything like that. It's just an aisle up the center of that sanctuary where every Sunday our church family would come to worship. They're there today. And if you walk up that center aisle up to the front and you begin to look up, every morning we have a reminder there in that sanctuary of what is the source of our unity Wait for it. It's him. It's Jesus. It's the cross. We've got to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another and talk and pray and work through our disagreements and struggles so that we can participate in the community and the cause that we've inherited from him. Amen. Well, I'll pick up there in a couple of weeks. Here's what I'm wondering right now. Worship team, come on back. We've got a we've got a song to close with. 
I wonder as I preach today, I'm smiling as I say this, but I'm serious now. I wonder as I preach today, were you thinking of someone you hope was listening because they really need to hear this message? It may be our tendency. Larry's shaking his head. No, I know you're thinking about me, Larry. Or were you humbly and honestly asking God to examine your heart? I was. I'm always a listener on Sunday mornings as much as a speaker. As a pastor, I can tell you that over the years, I've heard from a lot of people that want to get together with me and talk about somebody else and the trouble they're causing. I can tell you as a pastor of 35 years, I've had a lot of conversations about situations that need improved. I have rarely had anyone come humbly and repentant to talk to me about what they may have contributed to a situation. Friends, we've got to beat that. I wonder if we, again this morning, are willing, each one of us, to just offer ourselves to the Lord Jesus, who before his accusers was silent, who died on the cross, not just for people that loved him and that he loved, but for folks that didn't love him and that did him wrong. I wonder if we could just offer ourselves again to God and say, God, may your spirit bear fruit in me so that I am completely humble and gentle and patient. And God, help me to love these brothers and sisters that I'm sharing this journey with to the end. Can we do that? Let's stand together. A throwback song. I love this one. Thank you, Lori, for uh, leading us in it. It may be so today. Let's sing on. Let's sing on.
that song came out in the 60s, I'm thinking. And I think some of you were there when that came out because you were grooving. That even had the funky 60s feel to it, right? But seriously, Jesus summed up all the law and the prophets, everything that had been said, all the instruction that had ever been given in two great commands, love God and love others. So this body of Christ is now being sent out into the world. Be his hands and feet, his eyes and ears this week. And love people wherever you go. And love each other. Amen? God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Have a great day. have changed to say the least my grandmama's voice a memory just like the old song says she's on that shore and if she's looking down on me i hope she's proud of what she sees because thanks to her i'm walking with the lord oh to hear her once again wrap herself
Show.